Holiness is for everyone. Welcome back to the Savio Podcast. I am Father Tyler Tinbarge, the Vocation Director for the Diocese of Evansville and Chaplain and Director of the Father Didier House of Discernment. Today is our first installment of the chapters of the life of St. Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. And with me today is one of our house residents, a modern-day high school graduate and current USI freshman named Blaze Kelly. Say hello, Blaze. Hello, Blaze. Thank you. you got to love living with college guys. Keep you on your toes. Today, Blaze will be reading from the early life of St. Dominic Savio, chapters 1, 2, and 3 of the book written by the priest mentor, Father John Bosco. And as we hear these stories today, uh, you might be reminded of your own um, uh, infancy or your own uh, time as a young child, what it was like growing up in your family, what your parents did for a living. Pay attention to these little things and also maybe some of the extraordinary signs that you hear about this extraordinary young man named named Dominic. Um, From a very early age, people around him saw in him something that most people don't see in others. And because of that, uh, they treated him differently and, and for the better. Today we start off with chapters 1, 2, and 3, Enjoy the Life of St. Dominic Savio, as we all pursue holiness together. The Life of Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco Chapter 1 Early Life and Signs of Extraordinary Gifts About ten miles from Turin, in the north of Italy, lies the village of Castel Nuovo d'Asti. And there, in 1841, lived a good, hard-working couple, Charles and Bridget Savio. About that time, however, there was scarcity of labor in the neighborhood, and they accordingly moved away in the direction of Chieri, which is about nine miles southeast of Turin. And... Having settled at the little township of Riva, Charles Savio applied himself to his trade of an ironworker. On April 2nd of the next year, 1842, a child was born, who was to prove a blessing and consolation to his parents. He was given the name of Dominic at baptism, and, though no particular importance was attached to the name at that time, the boy, in later years, held it in particular esteem, as there will be occasion to learn. When the boy was scarcely two years of age, his parents decided to return to their former neighborhood, and they settled at Murialdo, which is quite close to their early home at Castle Nuovo. Like devoted parents, the careful upbringing of their boy was their chief solicitude, and, considering his tender years, Dominic soon displayed an excellent disposition and piety seemed to be part of his very nature. Morning and evening prayers at once impressed themselves on his childish mind, and at four years of age, he could recite them all quite readily. He was always attentive to his mother's wishes and only left her to say his prayers in some quiet corner where he was undisturbed. In the unreflecting manner natural to them, children are generally a source of worry and disturbance to their mothers. It is the age when they must touch and examine and often taste everything they came across. But Dominic's parents testify that he never gave the least trouble in this way. He was not only obedient to the smallest point, but ready for any expression of a wish and tried to foresee opportunities of doing them some little service. 
He was quite above the average in his appreciation for his parents' kindness, and he had his own method of expressing it, particularly as his father returned from his day's work. He always ran out to meet him, hoped he was not too tired, and promised to pray for him in return for all his labors. So saying, he would enter the house, place his father's chair ready, and attend to all his wants. This childish appreciation and thoughtfulness, says his father, were naturally very welcome to me, and, as evening drew nigh, I began to feel a particular longing to get home, to receive and give these marks of affection. For the boy was everything to me. Day by day, the child's piety increased, and from the time that he was four years of age, there was no need to remind him of his prayers, whether morning or evening or at meals or at the time of the Angelus. In fact, he would even remind others, should they appear to forget them. One day, some distraction occurred as they were sitting down to dinner, and grace before meals was forgotten. But little Dominic was too attentive. Father, he said, we have not yet asked God's blessing on our food. And he straightway made the sign of the cross and began the usual prayer. At another time, a stranger was staying in the house, and he sat down to his meal without any act of religion. Dominic did not like to speak of it openly, yet he was too much moved to remain at the table, and went to one of his quiet corners. When he was questioned about this unusual proceeding by his parents, he replied, I could not remain at the table with one who eats as do the beasts, without a thought of God. Chapter 2 Examples of Youthful Virtue at Murialdo his early days at school. It is a common thing to find people who are incredulous on the subject of youthful piety, and therefore it would be well to state at the outset that, for the following account, the writer is drawing directly from the narrative of the parish priest of the district in which Murialdo lay. In his written account, he states, Soon after I had been appointed to Murialdo, and had commenced my duties, my notice was drawn in a special manner to a little boy of about five years of age, who was brought by his mother to the church. His gentle countenance, his air of composure, his whole demeanor so devout and attractive, drew my attention to him, as they had already drawn the notice of others. When he had learnt the way to church, he would sometimes arrive there before the doors were opened. However, it did not suggest itself to him to spend the interval in play, as doubtless other boys would have done. But he used to kneel down on the steps, place himself in an attitude of prayer, and remain thus till the church was opened. Neither rain nor snow seemed to affect him in any way when he was thus occupied. It was therefore very natural that I should be curious to make the acquaintance of this extraordinary child, and I found that he was none other than the little son of the blacksmith, Charles Savio. If he ever saw me in the street, he immediately made a respectful and joyful salutation, and always anticipated my greeting. It was about this time that he commenced to attend the parish school, and his already acquired habits of diligence and of taking pains with everything soon showed their effect in his rapid progress. He had, of course, to mix with the young and thoughtless boys of his own age. But he always managed to avoid their little quarrels and disputes, 
although this, at times, brought upon him taunts and insults, which he bore with remarkable courage and patience. The usual boyish, but by no means praiseworthy, tricks and escapades were part of the usual program of his companions, but Dominic generally found means for being otherwise employed when these were in progress. The little habits of piety already described increased with the growing years of his boyhood and developed in proportion as he had scope for its practice. At five years of age, he had already learnt to serve Mass and did so with great devotion. He went in good time every day to the church and, dearly as he loved to serve, he was ready to yield a privilege to others if they wished to do so in which case he assisted with great devotion. He often went to confession, and as soon as he was allowed to make his first communion, he did so with fervor and delight. At the sight of so many signs of unusual piety, I often used to think, of my, think to myself, Here surely is a boy of great promise. God, grant that some means may be found to bring such rare gifts to maturity. Such was the narrative of the parish priest of Marialdo, who had watched over the childhood of this gifted boy. Chapter 3. Dominic is allowed to make his first communion before the usual age. Preparation for the important day. His resolutions. It was remarked in the foregoing chapter that Dominic showed exceptional piety when he approached the holy table but there were important circumstances connected with his first communion that call for consideration. As far as dispositions are concerned, Dominic appeared to have the most excellent ones. He knew the necessary catechism thoroughly. He had a clear knowledge, considering his years, of this the greatest of the sacraments. And, moreover, his desire to receive it was eager and constant. The only obstacle, therefore, was his age, for at that time, children were usually not allowed to make their first communion before they were eleven or twelve. Savio was only a boy of seven, and he hardly looked his few years, so that the parish priest hesitated. He consulted the neighboring priests, and having carefully considered the boy's knowledge and dispositions, all doubt and hesitation were finally swept aside and Dominic was allowed to partake, for the first time, of the food of angels. The boy could not repress his delight when he was told this good news, and a supernatural joy seemed to take possession of his soul. He ran to his mother to tell her. He was eager to spend more time in prayer or in reading the instructions for Holy Communion. He spent more time than ever at church, before and after Mass. He seemed to be already communing with the angels in adoration. On the eve of the great event in his life, he said to his mother, As I am going to make my first communion tomorrow, forgive me the pain I have caused you in the past. From now, I shall be much better. I shall be more attentive at school and more obedient in whatever you tell me to do. His sorrow for what he imagined to be his past faults so moved him as to fill his eyes with tears. And the mother, deeply touched, as was natural, at these pious dispositions in her boy, and remembering that in the past he had been a continual source of consolation to her, comforted him 
by saying, Put your fears away, my child. Whatever you may have done is all forgiven. Pray that God may keep you good and pray for your father and mother. When that memorable day dawned, he rose early and long before the time set off for the church, which he found still shut. He knelt down on the step, as was his wont, and said his prayers till the doors were opened to admit the children, who by this time had gathered together. There were still some confessions to be heard, so that, allowing for preparation and thanksgiving, and the Mass and discourse, the function of the First Communion was a matter of hours. Dominic had been the first to arrive to offer his salutation to God, and he was the last to retire after his thanksgiving. The whole period had been for him one of abstraction from things of earth, and of contact with the things of heaven. Later on, when any reference was made to his First Communion day, his face would light up with joy as he exclaimed, That was indeed a day of happy memory for me. It was a sort of recommencement of a life which might serve as a model to all. In his little book of devotions, he wrote down some resolutions, which I have been able to transcribe with all their original and direct simplicity, and their introduction in diary form. Resolutions made by me, Dominic Savio, in the year 1849, on the day of my first communion at the age of seven. Number one. I will go to confession often, and as frequently to Holy Communion as my confessor allows. Number two, I wish to sanctify the Sundays and festivals in a special manner. Number three, my friends shall be Jesus and Mary. Number four, death rather than sin. These resolutions were not simply written out and then put carefully away. He read them very often and they were a guide to him throughout his life. If among the readers of this little work there should chance to be some who are yet to make their first communion, I would strongly urge them to follow young Savio as their model, but in particular, fathers and mothers, and those who exercise any authority over the young, should attach the greatest importance to this religious act. For a first communion that is well made constitutes a solid moral foundation for the whole future life. And it would be indeed surprising if this solemn act, when worthily performed, did not result in a virtuous life. On the other hand, great numbers of young people are the despair of their parents and of those who interest themselves in them. The root of this evil is generally found to lie in the fact that their preparation for First Communion was carelessly conducted or in great part neglected. It would be better to delay it, or even not to make it at all, than that it should be made badly. And that's it, chapters one, two, and three of The Life of Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. Blaze, well done. Thank you. <laughs> we only had to stop and cut maybe three or four times. That's a little bit of an exaggeration on the low part. Uh, but we got through it pretty well. Um, also, I was telling Blaze as we went through this that there are some things that are awkward if you happen to be reading along with the text online. You can find that in the show notes, by the way, of the podcast. Or you can just Google Life of Dominic Savio. You can find a PDF out there. It's public domain. 
Anyways, if you notice the English translation from the 19, uh, early 1900s, I think 1914, there's some things that are still kind of clumsy about it. So um, if you notice that as you were reading along as uh, with Blaze, um, if you notice things were different, it's because we tried to make them sound a little better or a little more comprehensible. So thank you for your, uh, for your graciousness in that part. All right, as we went through the first three chapters, uh, a lot of stuff stuck out to me and to Blaze as we were reading it. And some of the things that I kind of liked, uh, well, why don't we let go Blaze go first? Anything stick out to you, Blaze? Uh, the thing that stood out to me the most was when Dominic would wait outside the church when it was locked and kneel down on the steps to pray and keep himself busy in prayer rather than goofing off or playing around. Yeah, I mean, how many, how many times do we go to church on Sunday and, like, it's not time yet for Mass and so we're on our phone or right. we're, like, we're sitting in the car waiting until it's closer to time <laughs> so we don't have to go in? I mean, hopefully your parents don't do that, but you probably do. I mean, I, I, I did it as a kid sometimes, too. Anyways, we're trying to like avoid it as much as possible. Here, Dominic would get there before the priest was even awake. You know, and one of my friends in seminary said that he hated morning mass because God wasn't even awake yet. <laughs> he said it was the monk's job to go wake God up in the morning, and then the rest of the world could go see him later on. <laughs> Anyways, but that, no, that's a great example of Dominic Sabe going to a church because that's our experience too here. Some so many of our churches are not open all day long, um, and so even if you can't uh, go inside to stay outside and kneel. Um, actually, during the pandemic, I saw people coming up to our side windows at Corpus Christi, mm. my parish, uh, coming to our side windows as close as possible to the front and trying to look through to watch Mass so at least they could have that, which is a beautiful sentiment. Wow. Or or people who you know drive by a church, when you drive by the old tradition is to make a sign of a cross. Mm. I don't know if you do that. Yeah. You guys yeah, do that? That's great. That. Yep. Oh, that's great. You do that too. I mean, kind of keep that up. That's, that's in the spirit of Dominic Savio. Um, some other things that stuck out to me... Um, was that Dominic uh, started getting involved in school, and naturally, even though he was kind of a holy kid, uh, you have to interact with people who are not like you. And instead of him like fighting those kids or being too good for them, um, he would actually just try to, to avoid their disputes or their quarrels, as, Don, or as uh, John Bosco writes. And and that can be really hard, right? Like mm. somebody's making fun of somebody over here, or they're doing something stupid in the lunch line, and so like you feel like you've got to join them, you're not cool, and. He figured out a way to manage to kind of ride that where he wasn't, you know, like disdaining them, but also he wasn't joining them. Um, And I think that the only way to kind of learn that is to try it over time in small doses and and just be reflective about what worked and what didn't. And to the degree you can, hang out with the good kids in your class, the good school. Um, Another thing that I wanted to bring up, what was it? Oh the, oh, the table, when they're eating supper. Mm, yeah, That's everybody's yeah, favorite yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. Blaze, do you remember the story? Can you kind of uh, share Yeah, so uh, Dominic and his family were sitting down to eat dinner. They had a guest over who sat down and started eating without um, praying beforehand. And Dominic silently got up and went to his um, quiet corner away from the table and said that I could not remain at table with one who eats as do the beasts without a thought of God. <laughs> that man is a beast, and I will not share a table with him. That's epic. No. Uh, I, I I can't even imagine like what parents would do in that situation. Like if I if I were to, if I was a little kid and I did that, I think my mom and dad would be embarrassed. Um, but I also wonder if they might not actually be like, "Wow, maybe we should be yeah. calling this guy out too." Which actually that's something I also want to point out too is that just like the thing with friend with his friends or his classmates at school. He didn't like walk up to the guy and say like you you know dirty beast right and he didn't say like uh, he didn't like, cuss him out he didn't call him out even he just said 
I'm going to remove myself from the situation where there is something that I don't want to learn for my own life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's half the battle in holiness yeah. is if I'm around it, it could become part of my experience and part of my action or part of my, uh, my habits. And so he said, I'm just going to walk away. And then whenever he was away, then he said, the guy's like a beast, but it didn't, <laughs> hopefully the guy didn't hear that because um, he wouldn't want to insult him to his face. He was a saint, right? Mm. Uh, but anyways, that, yeah, that's, that's a great example. All right, well, the last thing we should talk about real fast before we go is the promises. So when, what, when did he make these, Blaze? He made them in the year 1849 on the day of his first communion. How old was he? He was seven years old. Did you also also catch earlier in that same chapter, I think it's chapter three, what age that most boys made their first communion, or girl, boys and girls made their first communion back in the day? Yeah, so most um, most kids made their first communion at 11 or 12. Which is actually kind of more of a confirmation-ish age right. for us today. Yep. Um, you would actually have to wait till then, but uh, the church has since backed that um, age up, or moved it earlier, I should say. Uh, to the age of reason, we say. So around the age of seven, by then, kids kind of have learned what's good and bad and right and wrong, and they know to choose. Like, they know when they did wrong and why they did it, and they're actually even able to lie about having done it. You know, you, none of you have ever done that. <laughs> but it's possible, right? So we moved it back to the age where they can understand. Because if you can understand right and wrong, you can understand good and bad. And if you can understand good and bad, that's evil or sin and righteousness. And so if you can understand what's good and bad, then you can go to confession because you can actually be culpable or held responsible for your sins. And so if you can make a confession, you should be able to receive the bread of life because confession wipes you clean so that you can go back to the Lord's table. Mm. That's the purpose. That's why we go first reconciliation and then first communion. Anyway, so Dominic Savio, because he had these kind of extraordinary virtues, he was allowed to make his first communion uh, earlier than everybody else. He was actually seven years old. The night before his first communion, he goes home and he's really excited and he starts crying to his mom because he doesn't feel worthy, um, which is an amazing thing. And then basically mom is like, don't worry, you're going to be fine. But by the way, since you're such a holy kid, like don't forget to pray for me and your dad. <laughs> she throws that in. A good Catholic mom does. Anyway, so the four promises that Dominic makes uh, at his first communion, Blaze, will you read those for us yep. from chapter three? First one is, I will go to confession often and as frequently to Holy Communion as my confessor allows. Number two. I wish to sanctify the Sundays and festivals in a special manner. Number three is, my friends shall be Jesus and Mary. And the fourth one is, death rather than sin. A seventh, or seven-year-old came up with those. Mm. Uh, incredible. Now, since they're kind of uh, complicated, or at least they're hard to put down like on, you know, on a motto, since our you know, society is so much more like about short things, for our program, Savio, we have broken these down into four words. And of those who are listening, you, you know them before I even say them, right? The first one is to pray, and then feast, befriend, and the fourth is sacrifice. So the first one, pray. Uh, that encapsulates the two uh, sacraments that Dominic Savio wanted to do as often as possible, and that is confession and communion. And he says as often as his confessor or the priest in charge of him allows him to go. You know, Some people, uh, actually back then, you weren't allowed to really go con- to communion that often. And if someone goes to confession too frequently, it's almost as if they don't believe that God will indeed forgive them. Mm-hmm. Um, at every single Mass, at the beginning of Mass, when we do the uh, when we call to mind our sins and do the uh, confidior, which is I confess to Almighty God, or the Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy mercy, those tropes, we're actually receiving forgiveness, if we're sorry, for all of our sins that we committed that are venial, and only in the sacrament of confession do we receive uh, forgiveness for the mortal sins. So anyways, Dominic Savio said, I want to go to those two things as much as I should go to them, uh, confession and communion, and that's our uh, word for, uh, the first word is prayer. The second one is to feast. He wants to celebrate feast day or feast days or festivals 
and Sundays in a special way. How many of you guys uh, play soccer on Sunday or basketball or travel somewhere? Yep, hands should be up. I'm sure all of you do, right? Because <laughs> you're good athletes. Uh, and that's when sports are played. But at the same time, uh, the catechism of the Catholic Church reminds us that there is a day of rest that we get. And why should we keep it? Not because we, quote unquote, can't get through the work week without having a rest day. Not because God wants to punish us or wants to take us you know, away from things that we like. We do it because God himself did it. God did all of this stuff for six days and then he rested. If you want to be like God, actually, if you want to get into heaven, you gotta be like God. If you want to be like God, you gotta do what God did. God rested on Sunday, we rest on Sunday. So if you're off playing soccer because that's when your soccer game is, if it actually brings you rest and joy, the catechism says you can do it. It has to be things that recreate us. They are recreation. They are for leisure. They're for God's glory of using our talents and building up his church. That's why priests, you know, the busiest day of the week of the priests is, is Sunday, right? <laughs> um, and that's okay for us to quote unquote work on Sunday because it's bringing uh, God's kingdom to earth. Anyway, so he wants to celebrate those two days in a special way, Sundays and feast days. That's one thing I think we need to get back to in the church. Blaze, is there any feast day that you like during the year that isn't like, you know, just Christmas or Easter? Uh, I like the Feast of St. Blaze. <laughs> Why do you like that one, Blaze Kelly? <laughs> because um, uh, the, the priest or whoever's um, doing the blessing puts the candles on your throat and gives you a special blessing, which is kind of something different than the normal feast day. Oh, I thought you were going to say because it's named after you. No, nah, that's, that's not why. <laughs> that's not why. <laughs> Actually, that's one of the things that Catholics like, though. We are really good at feast days where you get something extra, right? Palms, ashes, mm, yep. candles on your throat. Like, we love all those celebrations where you gain something, quote-unquote, more than the regular Mass. We go to those things in droves, except, like, the feast, uh, the Solemnity of All Saints, a great feast day, November 1st. That's one of my favorite feast days of the whole year. Why? Because we're celebrating your grandparents' and your friends and your old pastor who have died and are not canonized. That's what that feast day is for. So why should we not celebrate it, you know? In mm. Savio, we do the, we did last year, we did the uh, uh, photo lookalike mm, yep, contest, yep. a saint photo contest, and that was a blast. That's a, it's a great way to feast. Another way to do, to do a feast day is just eat extra or take an extra nap or, or go after your mom, take you to go get ice cream and celebrate the feast day. We do that because Catholics are really good at fasting. Lent, right? We're so good at giving stuff up and saying, "Oh, I don't need that." And cold showers. We're good at we're good at penance, but we got to be just as good at feasting. You can't have one without the other. All right, number three, my friends shall be Jesus and Mary. That's straightforward, right? If you are not in friendship with Jesus Christ, you will not be his disciple. If you're not his disciple, you will not know the way, the truth, and the life. You will not find who you're supposed to be now or ultimately in heaven forever. And likewise, Mary is the model and the avenue uh, for us to follow him most purely and most clearly. Jesus tells us that from the cross, right? Son, I give you my mother. Mother, I give you to my son. Like you are now, you belong to each other. He doesn't just mean that to John, the beloved disciple. He says it to quote the beloved disciple, which is you and me. It's all of us. And then the fourth one is death rather than sin. Uh, this one, we just say the word sacrifice. Uh, in Savio, to get a t-shirt this year, um, we had to do 10 out of 16 things. Blaze, what were some of those things in the sacrifice section? Do you remember any of those? Yeah, you had to do uh, 1,000 push-ups in 10 days. Seven, or less. You could do them. Or, or less, yeah. or less. Seven days of cold showers in a row. Mm -hmm. um, one day of less than 30 minutes of screen time across everything. And um, one meatless Friday. 
That's it. So those are the four options for sacrifice. Each of the four, uh, each of our four words, pray, feast, befriend, sacrifice, those each had four options. So 16 total uh, tasks to be accomplished. If you got at least 10 of them, you get the t-shirt. Uh, we've given out two t-shirts so far. I know of at least one or two other kids. Noah from Hopstot, he's got his done early. Blaze has already got his on right now for this <laughs> podcast. That's themed well. Uh, anyways, we've only given a few out. Uh, but anyways, in the sacrifice column, the reason we have those sacrifices like a cold shower is because when you're feeling tempted toward anything, uh, if you do something that denies your body the pleasure, you're automatically going to be closer to what? Heaven. Uh, St. Paul says all the time there's a, a battle between the flesh and the spirit or between the world and the, uh, the eternal. And if we remind ourselves in our bodies what's going to come later is greater, then likewise the grace can get in there and help us fight back the temptations. Uh, and that's for chastity or gossip or anything. And so anyways, uh, death rather than sin, make a sacrifice uh, in order to kind of um, keep yourself on the right track. So those are our four promises. Pray, feast, befriend, sacrifice. They come exactly from St. Dominic Savio. Actually, that was what the inspiration was when I read those. That was the inspiration to begin Savio Nights uh, three years ago now mm. was when I read those. And I thought, man, those four things are so easily stated that everyone can follow them if they try, if they know about them. And so that's why we started Savio. So Anyways, there we go. Chapter 1, 2, and 3 of The Life of Dominic Savio by St. John Bosco. Blaze, anything else to add for the good of the listener? Just be sure to join us for the coming episodes. Oh, yeah, thanks, yeah. Come back for more, please. And even if you're not, even if you're not involved in Savio, if you're listening from somewhere else in the world, thank you for being a part of our audience, our growing community. Dominic Savio shows us the path to holiness, not just back in his day, 170 years ago, but in our day too. Holiness is for everyone. Thank you for following along with us in the life and the footsteps of the little saint, Dominic Savio. Mm-hmm.